Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today we have Midnight City, uh, who's actually back, because you guys, well, I talked to Sean, you guys were on just before a Japanese tour, I remember. Uh, that's some time back now. Um, that was the end of 2019 then, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so... Great to have you guys on, and I imagine a bit of that had to do with what happened last year and is continuing uh, you know, to go on. But you guys have a new album coming out in May, Itch You Can't Scratch, via Roulette Records. And right now on the show, I'm being joined by Robin Pete to share some more information about this release. So, boys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks Thank for, having, for us. having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Now... Uh, as we kind of opened up with that Japanese tour, how did that go, by the way? And then what's happened since then? I mean, obviously, you guys couldn't keep touring because the world kind of shut down. But well, we—I mean, we the the Japan thing was incredible. I mean, um, I mean, every what but what rock bands dream of you know playing in Japan. So that was a a real sort of bucket list thing for all of us, you know. And it was uh, it was just an incredible experience to go out there and. The two shows we played were, were sold out and the fans were just, um, it was sort of everything we expected it to be and 10 times more, you know what I mean? So so that was an incredible experience. Uh, we were lucky to do that. And then we came back and we did, uh, we did a UK tour pretty much straight after that. And then that went into 2020 and we were lucky enough to go out to Australia in March literally like a year ago almost to the day and we were looking to to get to do that right before everything sort of hit with the covid thing so uh so about a week later and that probably wouldn't have ended up happening but that was also pretty amazing as well we had a great time mm-hmm. so, yeah we get about a bit <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the highlights like what would you take away from japan that i think still lives with you today and what would you take from australia then that still lives with you today for me um i would uh take take with me from japan the culture and the people because uh i think we're in a bit of a rat race over here they're in their own rat race but they're actually nicer they're nicer to people in general there's a lot less of a selfish culture there and uh, it's something that personally um i'd like to see a lot more in in the uk uh and if not europe and widespread widespread because uh you know they, they've got it right they're they're very respectful to each other and i think that that's made them a very successful nation mm-hmm and of course, and of course, we enjoyed the beer as well. And we, in it, you, the great thing about Australia was that we were uh, we it was we were situated. The hotel was right on the pretty much on not far from the beach in St Kilda. Um, all the bars and stuff. So we, so we had a great time. We had we had uh, we had two shows in Australia, but we were actually there for um, I think just over a week. So we had plenty of time to mingle with the fans and get some sunshine and it, it was a great completely different to japan but but you know equally yeah. as enjoyable you know mm-hmm. does it surprise you guys to have fans around the world like that um in in, in one respect uh yes it does because the the outreach 
even from the start, to be honest with you, was really quite unexpected that uh, even when we were doing uh, little podcasts from the studio when we started recording the album, the the album, um, it attracted so much attention even then. And uh, it was the start of the momentum. Um, But on the other side of the coin, we actually believe in what we do. So I'd like to say at the end of that, you know, it's no surprise because I feel like we're offering something that people have been asking for for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think to add to that, Pete's buying on. I think I think what's what we're doing is, you know, it's, it's a style of music and a, a brand of music that was so big, you know, back in the day and people still absolutely love that kind of music and there's so many people that either grew up on it that are kind of relieving their youth or people you know maybe like yourself that you kind of you've got a little sort of guilty pleasure for you know docking and and rat and bands like that every you know i know loads of guys who, who who just have you know a few bands that they like from that genre of music and uh and just you know, for for that kind of music, we, I think we're just hitting the nail on the head with it. You know what I mean? And we're kind of like we're 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 bringing all that music back, and I think that's why people really connect with it. You know? Mm-hmm. I, how did you or how do you do that? Do you have to get into a certain mind frame to do that, or does it just come naturally? Oh, for me, <laughs> pretty <laughs> nice for me because I'm just like I I'm I still walk around like it's like I'm in LA and I'm I'm in I'm in freezing cold Nottingham in England. Um, I've just always been you know so into this music you know and I I don't mind admitting it. The the cheesier bands the better you know. Um, <laughs> so it's just it's just really natural you know. You start writing songs, it's just it it can't not come out like that because that's really all I listen to. I'm kind of. You know, I listen to that stuff and, and, and pop music, you know, that's my thing. I'm not, you know, I don't really listen to anything other than that. So it's kind of, it just kind of comes out natural, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, a healthy diet of uh, Britney Fox and Carly Rae Jepsen. And then... Uh, and Britney Spears. And Britney Spears. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everybody's down at the girls' school. Now, one of the other things that I really like about this stuff, too, is it, it obviously has this... Uh, dare I say 80s vibe but from a production standpoint it's a very modern recording very modern mix very modern master uh, which that I guess takes us Pete to your realm how do you go about mixing this stuff um, to, to be honest with you I, I, going back to the, the original question myself and Rob played um, in uh, a band a put together band for a a festival and myself and Rob uh, discussed doing a hair metal band. Uh, how many years before was that Rob? That was a two years probably. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Probably two years. That was the intention. Like, like Rob was still um, living in the eighties and he brought me uh, back to the eighties, <laughs> <laughs> which is still 10 years uh, after my birthday, obviously, but, uh, uh, with the production side of it, it, it's, it's my influence as much as it's Rob's influence, but, uh, I've been taught by 
uh, more modern day uh, giants of production and recording, which means I'm able to bring something that's going to appeal not only to the people back then who liked it, but hopefully appeal to uh, the people now that like it, which is potentially a slightly younger uh, audience. So you get the mix. I'm trying to, what I've tried to do with every album is, is get a mix of the old with the new, which is bringing the old into the, the modern day, mm-hmm. which means it's, it's, I'm trying to really, I'm trying to future proof our sound. So it never sounds ridiculously old. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, production-wise, they did some things a little different back then, but I think something that really sticks out is the low end, and they were mixing back then for vinyl, so that makes a lot of sense. It's almost like yeah. if if Rat were making an album today, you know, they wouldn't have those considerations. Um, guitars, yeah. they, they used a lot of room room mics on guitars back then, too. Um, yeah. You know, which, uh, same thing for drums and whatnot, but I, your your mix sounds a lot tighter than that. Thanks very much. I, I appreciate that. And and obviously, with uh, the digital age, you can look at things. You can look at graphics and you can say, okay, that's where my bass guitar sits. That's where my bass drum sits. You can separate it, which, which uh, that's where you get the tightness of the low end. You can do the same in the mids. You can do the same, you know, when you scoop the guitar out. You scoop it at the frequencies where... Uh, you want to hear your snare, you want to hear your toms, you know, and you go up the spectrum so you can build it, but you can actually, the, 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 the luxury that we have in the modern day is not only do we have our ears, we probably have our eyes as well, you know, mm. and we also have the development of technique, um, which, uh, you know, I'm grateful to, uh, I spoke to you uh, beforehand about, uh, people like Harry Hess, uh, Dennis Ward, uh, they're, they're both people who I look up to in uh, the mixing and the mastering world uh, because I learned from great people. And uh, even now I still listen to uh, uh, vibes from albums going on in the 80s so I don't miss what I'm trying to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Get your flanger ready. Oh yeah, absolutely. The <laughs> the phase the phaser is always on standby. <laughs> well, you mentioned Harry Hess, and uh, that was initially our connection. At the beginning was, you know, hey, out in T dot, we had this guy master our record. You might have heard of him. Um, T dot is another term for Toronto, uh, and I just realized I threw that one oh, out there. Okay. Yeah, T O T dot, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Why him? Um. So uh, I, I've played in bands, been been on that circuit where I've spent a lot of time with uh, Harry and Harem Scarum, and we got him into a conversation where I said, "I'm I've started to mix," and he said, "Well, I've started to master." So you know, we've kept in touch and been very friendly for probably the best part of ten years. So uh, a growing relationship um, and uh, a man bond, if you like, has uh, 
was was started up and uh it goes back the first album that he mastered for me was the first uh professional mix that i did which was the in faith album mm -hmm. and uh he's the only place i go to and uh we're very very good friends um we spend a lot of time doing facetime calls about nothing about music at all just laughing and taking the mickey about the world um but yeah i wouldn't go anywhere else and you know he, he's always really accommodating if there's things that i'm not happy with we revise until um it, it's perfect uh an example is that the there goes the neighborhood was mastered three times before we were happy wow so uh and you know the results speak for themselves mm -hmm. yeah and the guy uh, the guy is really good at what he does um his personality tells you that nothing no job is too small or too big to do he will always accommodate you mm -hmm. so uh you know that's a, a great working relationship and a great friendship between uh myself and harry and harry and the band yeah Makes sense. We could go down that rabbit hole, but it's about, it's about this record. It's about an itch you can't scratch. So let's chat about itch you can't scratch. These two singles, we chatted about this briefly in the intro because I, I have not had the yep. chance to hear the album, but these two singles, Crawling in the Dirt and Atomic, come across to me as a departure from the the last album, a little bit heavier, maybe a little bit more. I was trying to think of like a, a band comparison, um, but just a heavier tune. Um and you guys said, well, that's we did that on purpose as a curveball. So take us through Crawling in the Dirt, where we have this music video of this girl doing some voodoo magic, uh, it appears. Um, <laughs> and then Atomic, where we have this guy who's getting bored at his mixing desk with an RE20 in front of him. Um, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said a little bit earlier, I mean... Um, Crawling in the Dirt has more of a sort of like a, a first album, sort of skid row kind of type of sound to it, that kind of deal going on. Uh, Atomic's more of a Death Leopard type thing. And, and they are, you know, both those songs are, and there's another song on the album uh, called Blame It On Your Loving, which is kind of a little bit heavier, a little bit sleazier. But um, I was saying this in an interview the other day, there's, there's plenty of, classic sony midnight city songs you know that there's a, co a couple of songs that sound like they could have been on the first album and um there's two big ballads on it i mean it's just it's everything that we did on the first two albums but bigger and better you know what i mean so um yeah but in in in, in terms of uh the videos um the first video we just shot um in uh, both videos were actually quite hard to do because obviously we were trying to film them during um, the COVID situation, so it wasn't that easy to actually find a venue and, and sort all that out and get together. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we basically hired a, a, a great venue in Wolverhampton called KK Steel Mill, which is owned by KK from uh, Judas Priest. And uh, we yeah, we just did a, a big sort of stage, high energy kind of performance thing with the pyros and everything. And I think it was actually Sean, our keyboard player, who came up with the voodoo doll kind of idea just to kind of add, you know, a little bit of an extra story going on there. Um, so we were really pleased with how that one turned out. And then uh, the Atomic video we shot, um, 
not that long ago is maybe three three weeks ago something like that three four weeks ago and uh, again that was actually sean's sort of concept um we left him he came up with a concept of kind of a radio station takeover a little bit like the movie airheads if you remember that movie from back in the day um so he kind of scripted out a whole video you know and we left him to it and um yeah, that's our the, the guy at the beginning. The, the DJ is actually our roadie. He's he's part of our road crew, um, and uh, yeah, the whole thing just came out great. Um, we but very much you know that was Sean's sort of baby. We you know we sort of left him to it, and he uh, uh, between him and Elliot, the guy who directs our videos, they they we pretty much just shot you know showed up and and did our thing, and and uh, they went you know away and put the whole thing together. So. Yeah, we, we're pretty happy. We actually only got the video back. Um, I think it was two days ago. So, wow. but we were pretty happy with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, can't be the um, Lone Rangers because Lone Rangers is plural. Lone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In- incidentally, what Rob said about Sean and uh, how he came up with concepts, we've basically because myself and Rob do a lot of work um, behind the scenes for the band. Um, Sean, we've basically now, because of how well he's done, Sean is now the video director. We don't want, we have washed our hands of having (laughs) anything to do with any videos now because he knows what he's doing and he's really good at it, you know? I will say, crawling in the dirt, I'm happy to see the red guitar. Uh, Atomic, I'm not seeing the red guitar. I'm a little upset. Yeah, he used a, a fly, I think he used a flying V in the new one. Yeah, it was, uh, it was trying something, and then uh, Josh used a complete a bass I'd never I'd never seen before in my life. I don't know where that bass came from, but it's uh, he's using uh, a completely different bass. But I think it was just to mix things up a little bit, you know. So yeah, yeah, I remember. I think it was when I was chatting with Sean. Something about the red guitar came up, and it's now like you know in, in steady use or whatever. But um, yeah. Okay. I see it now. It's a flying V. Okay. I'm, I guess I'm okay. The key tar is there. So I'm okay. <laughs> um, what year were you, what year were you born, John? 1985. 1985. Oh my God. Yeah. So <clears throat> I caught the tail end of all of it right about when, uh, if I have memories, it's kind of like 91, 92, where there was that crossfade between, you know, guns and roses and Nirvana kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're in the di- it was in the dying moments of uh, hair metal at that point. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it, and as I, as a guitar player, learned how to play the guitar, there was definitely something about those pedal tones uh, and the way they were able to get, I don't know, girls to shake or something. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jo- um, Miles is about- you'd have to get Miles on the show. Miles could talk to you about pedals and effects for twenty years. <laughs> Now, really good. something uh, that was brought up was uh, on this album, it, it's everything we've done before, but bigger and better. So was there a goal in mind when you guys were sitting down to write this this album? And uh, kind of a slight follow up. Did you have more time to work on this album as a result of the pandemic? No, not really. Not really. I mean, we, we started. It, it's nuts to think, but we actually started recording this album in um February of last year, um, we actually started recording um, before we went to Australia. 
and uh, we were actually we were actually making sort of quite good progress before everything yeah. sort of happened. And then we we kind of carried on a little bit. And then we I think we just kind of because nobody really I think the problem one of the main problems was uh, at the time with what was going on was just nobody really knew what the hell was going on and how long it was going to last and is it going to be a month is it going to be six months is it going to be five years so we all just kind of like i think we sort of took a little bit of a break in the middle of it and then sort of picked it up again in summer but in terms of i mean i i you know writing the songs and stuff it wasn't you know i didn't sit down and think like try some heavier songs you know i just sort of whatever sort of comes out natural you know comes out um but i think in terms of how the overall sound of this album, you know, uh, turned out. I think we we tried, um, you know, a lot of different things. Well, Pete obviously did production wise, and and you know, even even Sean using different keyboard sounds that he's used mm. before. Um, th- there's a lot of kind of uh, we 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 kind of thought outside of the box a little bit more. And uh, there are a couple of. I mean, there's a song on the album um, called "They Only Come Out at Night," which is like nothing we've ever done before i've said it quite a few times but it, it sounds like uh it could be on lost boys you know the movie lost boys mm-hmm. and that was actually inspired by i was just sat down watching it one night about a year and a half ago and just thought you know how great that soundtrack is for that album you know with with uh cry little sister and all those songs and i thought how cool it would be to kind of write a song like that you know kind of along those lines so that was that was one of the songs that was kind of a little bit different. Um, but the rest, yeah, all came natural. But then obviously when, you know, the, the songs are sent to the guys, everybody um, does their thing. And then, uh, you know, in terms of production, that's all, you know, Pete's, Pete's department. So, um, yeah. yeah. So but with, with that particular song, um, uh, you've probably heard of Grim Reaper, John. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the intro for the song they only come out at night is actually steve grimmett his grandchildren uh, are actually doing a a little chant at the beginning believe it or not <laughs> and steve steve grimmett's son is is actually a close friend of all of the guys in the band and helps the band on uh, regular occasions but uh, yeah it's definitely worth worth a hear when we're talking about pre- production it's got that spooky sort of uh, kids in the playground uh, type of feel, and uh, it sets the tone from from the off, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it probably sounds really weird, but when you, when you hear the song, you'll just you'll you'll be like, "Whoa, this is this is cool as hell," you know? It, it really is. So, so that that's definitely the, the most different song on the album, and yeah. Like I said earlier, you know, there's a couple of heavier songs, but there's plenty. I mean, there's 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 so many, you know, the the typical sort of feel good, good time, midnight city songs on there as well. So, you know, but um, yeah, I think when we started, we just like every album. I think all all we want to do is make a better album than the album before. That's it. You know, I mean, we I don't think we ever want to particularly, you know, we don't want to drastically change our sound, but at the same time, I think on each album we want to add. A few more sort of ingredients to it you know so you're sort of you're keeping your fan base you're keeping your sound but you're, you're also sort of progressing as well you know rather than just kind of you know doing the same album time after time you know mm-hmm. yeah if you guys had added sub drops and 808s and things it probably would be ah, 
Ah, now on Atomic, <laughs> when you when you actually listen <laughs> to Atomic, I'm not even joking. There's two sub drops in it. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll have to listen to it. Is it like to back up yeah. some Tom hits? No, no, it's on its own. There's two big sub drops. So <laughs> turn the fuck up. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll do it. I will. Uh, I will do that. Cool. Okay. So, boys, we chatted about crawling in the dirt and the music video and the 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 scary girl who's poking needles into effigies. Uh, Atomic with the radio station takeover, similar to Airheads. Um, did he just wipe his ass with his record contract? And <laughs> the, yeah, the, the album itch you can't scratch, and then. Um, Harry Hess doing the mastering, Pete doing a lot of uh, mixing. Did you get Pete? Do you do you oversee recording as well, or how does that? Work? Yeah. Okay. So normal normally, the the first two albums, everything was recorded here, uh, uh, including the bass guitar as well, wasn't it? So everything was recorded here. So we had the COVID situation, so we had to think again. So Rob recorded the first three songs here um and then because of of how the world situation was and the mixing and households rob proceeded to record a lot of the stuff at a studio in nottingham um and send to me to to produce um and then when i had i what would happen is rob would record a demo and then from the demo um, I, I'd take all the individual stems and start the production and then send it out to the guys with a, with a deliberate direction of uh, what I want from them, what I need to hear, specific parts, specific beat and bar numbers that I want an individual to do, A, B or C. Uh, we went backwards and forwards on a lot of parts, guitar solos, keyboards, bass guitar, um, um, so actually, yeah, um, quite, uh, quite a different way of doing a full studio production. Um, very pleased, gotta say we've got the end result and it sounds massive. You know, the whole, the whole thing is as we all set it out to achieve it. So, uh, it's probably a way for the future, you know, re- really is, I think, this whole world situation has changed the face of so much, the music industry, the recording industry, the live music industry. Um, most of the world is working from home if they can, you know? So we are in a different situation. And I think we, we need to embrace what we've just done as a real achievement. And I think it will probably happen again the next time we record because everybody knows how yeah. to do it now, you know? Yeah, we, we did. It, it it was weird because apart from like Pete said, the first three that we, we that we uh, recorded before everything hit, the rest of the album was recorded in five completely different studios, you know. And it was just a lot of this sort of FaceTiming and uh, and emails and but yeah. it, it worked and and you know it's the best uh, by far our best sounding album, you know. So there's something there's something in that. So. Like I said, moving forward, I think that probably will be uh, probably will be the way we'll continue to work. Cool. All right, boys. Is there anything that I missed that you wanted to chat about? 
Ooh. <laughs> um, no, not really. Well, thanks for having us on your show for a start. And uh, make sure you, uh, obviously, the album's coming out May 28th. Uh, we have a Japanese release May 26th. Um, and we're hoping uh, things are kind of, fingers crossed, um, looking a little bit more optimistic for shows uh, from the summer onwards in the UK. Things are going to, fingers crossed, going to start opening up uh, at the end of June. So we do actually have some shows uh, in the UK, sort of, uh, we have a fest- hopefully a festival in July and uh, a tour in August and a show at the end of the year and uh and then obviously rolling into next year, uh, lots more shows. So, uh, um, oh, unfortunately, no, no Canadian shows. But oh. <laughs> oh. look out! Yeah, we'd love to come over. But um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, just keep an eye out. We have, we also have a really cool our label between. Uh, we got some really cool fans who set up uh, an, an amazing Facebook page called the Midnight Army, um, which is just going from strength to to strength uh absolute ton of people have joined that there's like 900 members of it um and uh there's these cool little challenges that happen like every couple of weeks and you know if you completely challenge you win exclusive midnight city prizes and stuff like that so there's all that going on as well so uh check that out as well okay beautiful and then i'll put the uh the link for the website midnightcity.com in the show notes for today so I believe all of your guys' socials are there. So if you're on Facebook, you can definitely click the Facebook link and um, become a, a member of the Midnight Army. I'm a little jealous now, actually. Um, beautiful. Yeah, looking forward to hearing the full album when I get the chance. I'm going to probably annoy my wife a lot. Um, but, you know. Do you have, um, has the label sent you an advanced copy yet, John? Or? No, they haven't. They usually People usually do, but uh, Roulette did not. Okay, we'll we'll sort that. Beautiful, we'll definitely. Sort of yeah. It'll be on your doorstep by uh, <laughs> by Sunday morning. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, boys, well, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Lovely thank to you, meet mate. you. Thanks ever so much for having us as well. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Groovy.